Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. We're live for those of you listening, uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're on Instagram Live, so when you hear us interacting with some folks, that's what's going on. We are live. Like, this is very unusual for the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. We, like, literally got this thing. I told you we were going live at 6. Then I said maybe at 6.30. Uh, but any of the true loyal listeners know that old uh, Sleep Dog's going to take him a while to figure out all the wiring configurations in here. True to form it did but we made it uh i can actually see that it's recording uh i am sleep dog this is the big hawk and this is victor and one of the things victor i told our just massive fan base earlier which probably consists of i don't know right now looking like seven people um solid was that your last name so there are i can't really pronounce big words Big Hawk sometimes has trouble. We'll call it medium, small, medium, mid-sized words. <laughs> and I was like, man, I cannot pronounce Victor's name. So will you please pronounce it for me? Litvinenko. Litvinenko. I would have never. You can't pronounce it? Not- you got it. You got it. <laughs> it is oh, one of the please. most disrespectful things in America to, dis- to uh, uh, what do you call it, to mispronounce someone's name. We do it all the time. And we definitely didn't want to do it with our live guests it's here. It's all but, good. Dude, thanks for having us. This place is sick as we just showed everybody and um you know really appreciate you joining us today yeah thanks for reaching out I'm yeah totally. really happy to have you guys here and fun to play some ball earlier yeah we're gonna get into that yeah. tease that one earlier um you know we got the big hawk here we're gonna talk some about his uh his his denim selection we need to work on it a little bit uh we want to like really our agenda is that we don't have one ever kind of like the vibe of Sleephawk Worldwide. But, you know, one of the things we're going to do is uh, we're going to take and just really kind of want to get into everything that's going on with Raleigh Denim. This place is cool. Give us a little history on the backstory of it. Kind of like, you know, I know there's a big one. Um, This place, for those of you that aren't local Raleigh, this place is, um, you know, very well known, but it's tucked away. And we were kind of talking about that earlier. And if you haven't experienced this place and you are ever even in Raleigh, uh, you need to check it out because this place is, is, is cool on a number of levels, regardless of whether, you know, you're super into fashion or not. It's just, it's just, it, it just speaks to kind of like, you know, the North Carolina backstory. Yeah. This is a long story. And so please jump in, ask questions we along the way. Big fan of long stories. Okay. Um, so when I was in high school, my wife and I met in high school and we started dating in high school and we've been together basically ever since. Um, and we really enjoyed making different things. I used to make furniture. We, um, I was a, a painter, photography, uh, I really got into cooking. I cooked at Second Empire up the street here. Nice. Um, but I also cooked at Nobu in New York City, which wow. was Morimoto's restaurant. Yeah. So the first Iron Chef, I worked with him back in 2001. Um, and then I started, like food got me into wine and I started making wine here in North Carolina. And while I was up in the mountains, I was meeting all these people that used to work in the denim industry. Uh, and all these old dudes that fix machines and uh, people that have worked in the factories. And, um, so there was this kind of like pot of soup that I was like throwing, we were throwing ideas into, which was about like craft and about quality and about, uh, like the winemakers that I met that I loved were like completely focused on quality. And yes, they are manufacturing. Yes. They are creating a craft product quote per se. Um, but like you couldn't copy it. Like even a, a, like the best winemaker in Bordeaux, the best winemaker in Napa, like, Mm -hmm. Their neighbor could grow the same grapes. They could uh, try and like make the quote same wine and use the same barrels and this and that. But like the reality is that like there's so much nuance in it that like what the winemaker does on the land, what the what the um, uh, you know the terroir, the the weather that year, what happens like from their heads and their hearts and their hands, what's actually in the barrels, the yeast, like all these things. It's just like a magical moment of a thing that like cannot be recreated. And I just am so obsessed with the idea of, of making something honest and pure. And, and in clothing, there was this just commodity thing of mm-hmm. like things that are made in like 50,000 at a time, a hundred thousand at a time, millions at a time, you know, at this like, that cost is the only thing that's interesting. And I was just like 
bored of that. I was, I was telling you guys earlier, like I, I had played soccer in, in Switzerland at some point in time and I spent a year uh, there. My family's from Ukraine and they live out on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And not that any of these things are like one better than the other, but I, like even in Ukraine with, with no money, like out on a farm, it's like you have bees and you make your own honey and you make, bake your own bread and you have a horse. I mean, a, a cow and chickens and blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's something to me about that, like purity and honesty of a place that is incredible. And I was trying to like pull those philosophies into something. And I thought that food would be my thing. I thought that wine was going to be my thing. And it turned out that like the history of denim production in North Carolina was the thing that like we have, like the, North Carolina is the Holy grail of denim production in the world. Like the patents for, industrial denim production were filed from Greensboro, North Carolina at the white Oak plant. And like the fabric that is on those jeans right there is from that plant, like in 1905. And, you know, in Japan, it would be like a literal national treasure. Like in America, like how many companies do you know of? How many things that you own are from places or people that have been around for more than a hundred years? Not many, not many at all. And it's like, I think we, as a culture, haven't cared about that because there, there have been other priorities and there's been other things, but like, it's a piece that I feel like is missing after being overseas, being in cultures that are older. Like, uh, I mean, in, in Japan, like, you know, they've lived on an Island for forever. Mm-hmm. Space has been like a, a really important finite resource that, um, you know, like if they're going to have a cup, they're going to have the best cup on earth because they don't have space for more things. Right. And, and I think, you know, there was this push for cheaper, cheaper, faster, cheaper, faster, cheaper, faster. And, and I think we're on the opposite side of that swing. The pendulum like hit the other side and everyone realized like, I don't need another pair of pants that are going to fall apart in three or six or whatever. It's like, I'd rather buy something that comes from somebody I know. It's just like, like yeah. your milk. You like, you want to buy milk from somebody that you know, you want to make sure it's, you want eggs that are organic. Like if you're going to put it in your body, if it's going to touch your body, like clothing is one of the most intimate things that we interact with. Like mm-hmm. it touches every part of your skin. There's nothing more intimate than, than clothing, quite honestly. And I want to know where those things are coming from. Um, so this is like kind of where it all like the stew. Sorry, I'm just like no, no, no. This is out. For, but. for for me, and now that you said that, as somebody who just buys clothes, also I struggle finding anything to really fit me because of my size. Mm-hmm. But when I buy my things, I'm not usually looking for like a cost. But I'm not really thinking about that. But now that you say it, and it's almost like a sense of pride. You know, hey, uh, Raleigh Denim. That's from around where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And look at all the the fine you know, qualities and every little aspect of a gene piece of clothing that you put into it. Uh, no one else does that. Mm-hmm. And so it's right next door to me. And so I think that's unique in the clothing uh, business. And uh, I saw the, um, I saw the picture that you have hanging the white Oak. Is that kind of like the vision? And I see the sewing machines and all mm-hmm. that right on the door. And then it's kind of like a smaller version of that. Are those machines actually from that yeah. So, so it's a, it's a long and sad and hopeful story. Um, White Oak is a mill in Greensboro that I think, I can't remember when they started, but I know they filed the patents in 1905. So they've been around for a very long time. It was cone mills and they were making the denim for Levi's. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in that picture that you're looking at, um, it, uh, it's actually the looms. So they're taking the, the cotton, turning it into um, yarns and then weaving it into the fabric. And so what we have here kind of looks similar, but uh, we, we are, we're actually taking the fabric, cutting and sewing it into the jeans. So a different part of the process, but looks similar. Um, White Oak, Cone White Oak closed uh, in 2017. And, and I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, and they're not all like, it's, it's, it's like a very sad thing for me. It's like a lot of the reason that I st- that we started this company was to make things of our place, like of North Carolina, of our history, of America, of an American dream. Like, um, and when that closed, it was, um, it was, 
a pretty like uh, sobering reflection on the state of business and um and a lot of the bigger companies i mean the the bigger the two biggest gene companies both had an opportunity to save this place and they both turned it back on it hmm. and and i'm not going to get too deep into that but like you know uh i mean levi's in particular tells this american story and they had a chance to like keep this thing going yeah. it wouldn't have been hard i'm not going deep into the details yeah. there but like they decided to move the stuff to thailand and and the fabric they're making in Thailand is beautiful and I have nothing against what anybody's doing over there, but like to tell this all America story is a lie yeah. and it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. And, and what we like, what it takes to do it right. And what it takes to do it the way that we do it and the resources that they have versus the resources that we have, it's a whole different game. And I think we just want to put like honesty and purity and uh, quality out into the world. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't exist in our industry in a way that's accessible. And a lot of people will say that our genes aren't accessible and they are very expensive. Don't get me wrong, but the actual value proposition is to buy one of ours instead of two or three of something else. And you think, okay, if you're willing to spend a hundred bucks on a pair of jeans, like my ask, my proposition is buy one of ours instead of two of those. Yeah, exactly. Or buy, uh, and you know, you see these jeans on the wall, they're like eight years, seven years, six years, like, yeah. You know, yes, you pay two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars for a pair of jeans, and then you wear it every single day. It gets better every single day. Yeah. It becomes a part of your body, becomes a reflection of your life. Like to me, that's worth more than money, almost. And like I said, it's not for everybody. And I, I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that it it is. It's like we are a very small company. We make a hundred pairs of jeans a week. It's not. It's a niche thing. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go with it because this is what's kind of been cool for me is you're exactly right. The price point, I think, is the first thing that people are just like, wow, like mm-hmm. these are expensive. But what they don't see is like you're, you know, when we walked in, all those are hand sewing machines. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can explain some more about that because I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm, I'm going to like uh, yeah, not yeah, do yeah. it justice, but right. These things are handmade. They're hand signed. They're hand drawn. Mm-hmm. They're like, and, and not only, so the, the craftsmanship of it is one thing. But then also like, you know, I kind of was able to intimately sort of see from the back end, like a business like this, you know, surviving, uh, you know, and reinventing itself during, you know, the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's just really kind of cool to hear your side of of, of kind of what goes on behind here, because it's like, I think the average person, the average consumer sees, uh, oh, wow, this is just, you know, something high end that's like not out of my price, but they don't really understand like the love, I guess, or passion or whatever that mm-hmm. goes into it. Just like, you know, Tyler with basketball or me with, <laughs> you know, I don't know, some uh, podcast. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think <laughs> that's yeah, awesome you know? to think about too. It's like, we all like work at this certain level of like the idea in different mediums yeah. and be it podcast, be it basketball, be it like, I mean, the, the passion that you put into things, like I want to be friends with passionate people. I yeah. want to be pa- friends with people that like work really hard and that like love what they do. And I think that's where like a connection to basketball, to uh, podcasting, to like scientists, to anybody Absolutely. that does musicians, like just that are really like, if people could come in and see and feel and talk to the people and talk to people around the city and talk to you and, and like, like you, like you said, this place is tucked away and not, not a lot of people get to come enjoy it. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people know about it. Hopefully more will figure it out, but that's the kind of thing you come in here. And then it's like, it's, you have this aha moment when you come in here and you understand like, Oh wow, this has come from a, you know, I even know enough like cone denim and that sort of stuff. Like I've learned from this mm-hmm. and it's like, you have this appreciation and this own affinity. Like I love North Carolina. Right. So it's sort of, brings me closer to that and understanding his history. And then on top of all of that, it's like you said, like the product that you walk out with is just like supreme quality. Like mm-hmm. everybody, it's not, you make a hundred pairs of jeans a week, but I guarantee you every single one of those people that are making their jeans really care about I me. Mean, you guys Absolutely. craft the buttons, you craft the thread. Like there is detail in every single aspect of these jeans and, mm-hmm. and the other articles of clothing, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the, you know, we talked a little bit earlier and I want to talk more about the shoe collaboration. Cause yeah. I got a pair of those and those things are so dope. Anyway, man, it's just like, the, like all of it just comes through and like, hopefully people, you know, you know, can see that. I want to piggyback off that. Um, the integrity and the passion that you talk about Raleigh denim and these jeans, that's unique. And when I say that is as an athlete and somebody who's worked um, to get, you know, to the top of 
you know, where I want to play and the passion, the dedication and the sacrifice and also the courage it takes to get to that level. Mm -hmm. There's probably a lot of people that kind of told you this will never happen. And you still went about it. That's courage and the integrity and the detail that you put into your genes. When you went and watched Michael Jordan play, that's not a cheap chicken. You did because he's the best at it. Yeah. You want to see the best. You have to pay for the best. Mm -hmm. And that is something that will stay with you the rest of your life. I remember mm -hmm. when I was young, my dad took me to see Michael Jordan play in Chicago and we drove eight hours from Poplar Bluff to get to Chicago. And it was, it, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I think I get that feel when I walk into Raleigh Denham is, and in talk, definitely talking to you is like your passion and your commitment to your mm -hmm. gene and your willingness to say, these are the best mm -hmm. and you can see it. You, and you definitely believe it. But where I'm, one thing I'm interested in, did you ever think you'd get to this point? Was it, what is like the toughest thing that you went to, <laughs> to get, cause you look at this place and it is like, this, this is unique. You don't get the corporate feel this is like, this definitely is like a home mm -hmm. and you feel like a sense of pride and listen to you talk. I don't, I don't hear people talk about, uh, things like that mm -hmm. in the sense of pride that you have in this place. Yeah. It, I mean, there were so many hurdles to cross. I mean, when we started, Sarah and I actually were living in New York before, like she went to NYU and I, I was playing soccer at St. Peter's college, like not a, I don't, uh, you know, not like the top of soccer school, but like, but we were in New York and we decided to come back and, and rally at the time it was 2000, you know, four, five, six. And, um, there wasn't a lot going on downtown. There wasn't a lot going on right. in Raleigh. It was still like a pretty sleepy town. And for us to come back from the big city and say, no, 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 we want to be here, uh, you know, was a difficult thing. And, and when mm -hmm. we started sewing, like in our minds, we were like, we need to incubate. Like we just need space and time yeah. and, and we didn't know how long that was going to be, but I knew that like we had the grit and the ability to learn and that like we would work 12 hour days for however long it took, be it six months, be it five years, be it 10. I don't know. We didn't know, but right. we were willing to dive in and here, you know, our rent was $400 a month for a two bedroom place. And we just worked like the, the the warehouse we were in had no heat and no windows. And every single person we talked to said, you're effing insane. You can't do fashion here. And, and maybe they were right. Like we didn't want to do fashion, like capital F fashion. They're like, you got to be in New York. You got to be in Paris. You got to go to LA. And I was like, no, no, no. I, we have something different to say. Like we had diff something different to do. We had something different to share. And, and what we wanted to share was about North Carolina. Yeah, And at that time we could get every single piece of the raw materials that we needed in North Carolina. So every single gene that we made from the cotton to the, uh, the thread, the zippers, the labels, the leather, everything came from North Carolina. And I was like, Oh, we're the winemakers. Yeah. We're doing it with our terroir. Like North Carolina is our terroir and we can't do that anymore. So, you know, we've evolved, we changed, we, we learn, we, we're also like putting roots in the ground here in a way that I don't know if anybody's ever done. Like we're, we're trying to weave fabric here again and it's, uh, we're not there yet, but we're, we're real close. Um, so like the, the hurdles, yeah, yes. People yeah. thought we were insane, like straight up insane. Yeah. And I thought, I, I mean, I have all these references and I think about the philosophies from different mediums. Right. So mm -hmm. when I think about, uh, at that time we were listening to a lot of outcast, the hip hop group from Atlanta. Yeah. And when they came out, everyone said, you can't do this in, like, who are you, Atlanta? It's all New York and LA. It's all yep. East Coast, West Coast. Da, da, and they're just like double middle fingers up. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're like, we're going to do our thing. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be different. And it turns out it's not only different, it's as good or better. Yeah. And I was just like, I, to me, that was such a punk idea. It was like, it was like the Sex Pistols in London just being like, total fuck you. Like, no, I'm going to do this shit and yeah. I'm into it. Like, yeah. And I didn't, like, it wasn't coming from a place that we needed to say that. But it came from like a place of like, we can do anything we want if we put our mind to it, if we work hard enough, if we like, to me, that's what the American quote, American dream meant to me. Yeah. Like my family's from Ukraine. My grandparents came over after World War II. Insane story. Like they lived through things that 
Like we think we lived through right. some stuff last yeah. year. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. Like, right. And it's like, I also feel like this just responsibility to like, to do the best that I can yeah. for my grandfather. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, people that leave places like that to come to America, to give a better life to their kids, you know, our parents gave us a better life and here we are like living our dream. Yeah. And it is just mind blowing to me that we're able to do that. That like we live in a place with like safety and ability and education and, and all these things that we, we kind of talk about in the, in the ether, but like this does not exist without all of that. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's just a crazy, it's crazy soup. And so it's funny <laughs> because, you know, one of the, um, one of the things we'll kind of say, it's a good segue into is like some of the, so we, for those of you who don't, aren't familiar with Raleigh, we are literally walking distance two blocks away from the downtown, downtown amphitheater, a lot of cool mm -hmm. uh, music acts and stuff come through there. And we're going to get into some of those bigger names, but the thing that it reminds me of is, uh, just, <laughs> I, I, you know, iron, irony and happenstance is when I first, when I first moved to North Carolina in the seventh grade, um, the first person I met is this guy named Sam Herring. And I don't know if you know the future islands. Mm -hmm. if oh, you yeah, follow, yeah. So Sam yeah. is lead future islands. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Great guy. And that story. There's an internet meme about his dad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Letterman. yeah. It totally reminds <laughs> me of that story because I remember we used to go watch these guys at cat's cradle Yeah, and they were the art Lord and the self portraits. Mm -hmm. And dude, Sam, I, I'm like I said, we were great friends in middle school, great friends in high school. We played baseball together. We spent the night at each other's houses oh, and all that sort amazing. of stuff. And like, I remember we would, I mean, it didn't matter who, you know, knew about him or anything. Like we go watch him just to support him. And I remember even, even me and a few of our other friends like, man, what is this music? Like, this is, is never going to work. Like, yeah. why are they into this? Yeah. And the thing that I have the utmost respect and Garrett is the keyboard player. He also went to our high school. And then there's a couple other guys, Will and gosh, I don't know the drummer's name, but those guys like committed to it that same way. And we're just like, I don't care if I get rich. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I get famous. Mm -hmm. This is just like what I'm into mm -hmm. and the product. Like it's, you can't like recreate that. Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about Jordan and you talk about some of these sports things, like, you know, I think everybody wants to be that, mm -hmm. but I still think that like, they realize this is like, even Jordan is a great example in a weird way. Like, even though he got to be that, I don't think he was ever satisfied with mm -hmm. it, you know? And mm -hmm. it's sort of a, just a cool thing to like, sort of understand and, and weave into uh you guys see what i did there uh weave into like the, <laughs> the broader story but man so you go from the struggle you you sort of commit to this vision and like you don't let anything knock you um you know off your pivot and all of a sudden you got like j cole coming in here you got brad pitt coming in here you got leon bridges coming in here i'm probably missing a lot of other really cool people like kind of talk to that about like I mean, how does that, that's gotta be sort of surreal or at the same time, like I get the impression when I talk to you, you're like, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but like you wouldn't give a shit if I buy it or if J Cole buys it. Well, it's not that I don't give a shit. It's like, I am so attracted to people that do what they're passionate about. Yeah. And that's it. And so like, if they're famous or not, like there's also like uh, potters out in the middle yeah. of nowhere that like, like there's a dude up in Asheville that like hand carves marble, who's as passionate about what he does as anybody that, that you just named. And I'm as attracted to him. Like I want to be his friend as much Got as it. I want to be anybody else's friend. Sure. And I think there's just like some mag magnetism between like people that really go hard, mm -hmm. people that are focused, that work hard that have the grit that go for it and lay it all on the line. I mean, the courage that you were talking about a second ago, it's like, you really like, you either go all in or you don't. And, and it's not for everybody and it's not easy and it's not a success for everybody. I mean, there's like the, the failure rate is 99%. Yeah. Right. And, and I kind of look at that, like, um, not necessarily as like success or failure. Like I think from the outside, it's easy to say that like, Oh, some of those people are quote successful uh, or that some other people are not. But like, I feel like success is like, if I come in every single day and do my best and actually try and create something that doesn't exist, then I'm successful. And I, I don't care. Well, no, I don't care. I mean, obviously I want to like yeah. eat, but like, I don't care if we're like a gazillion dollar company or where we are. Like I'm very, 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 very happy with what we do. I love what we do. 
with my whole heart. Like if I get to do this for the rest of my life, I'll feel like the luckiest person in the world. Like I'm super happy. And is this quote success? Like to some people, yes. And to some people, no, like there's like, um, you know, in, in some societal and measuring stick, yeah. people that are like, yeah. Oh, you should be a $300 million company. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. I don't do this for money. Like I do it to create. Yeah. And if that gets bigger, great. Yeah. I think when, you know, when people chase perfection, we'll just say that there's no perfection. Like what is perfection? Mm -hmm. You know, you come in there and you do your best. And one thing that we kind of talked about is athletes and what you, you know, how I relate to you is the courage from the aspect is, you know, when I'd go into school, I'd say, what do you want to do when you grow up, when you get older and you're grown up? I want to play basketball. Mm -hmm. You can't say that because mm -hmm. people will tell you, well, what's realistic? Mm -hmm. You know, you have that 1% chance mm -hmm. and then you staying with it. And then you look at what you've turned out today. And then that's what connects you with, let's just say, you know, some of these names that come in here and buy your jeans is I think you respect because they're so passionate about what they do. Mm -hmm. And they took that risk, that same risk that you took to kind of build this place and build where it's become today is you respect them because that's what built them. They mm -hmm. took the same mm -hmm. type of risk and their passion and they put everything into it. And I think that's a bond. And, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I just love the, the feel because I'm from a small town in Missouri and a lot of people would know uh, where Poplar Bluff, Missouri is. But growing up, that was always a goal for my high school basketball team was to be, you know, kind of make a name for us. So we didn't have to go to New York and play against mm -hmm. the best hoopers in the in the country to make a name for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have to go to New York. You didn't have to go to Paris. You didn't have to go to Shanghai mm -hmm. to make a name. You just did it right here mm -hmm. where people told you you couldn't. And um, I never really thought about that until we started getting on the pod. And uh this is mind blowing to me. The mm. like the passion you put into all the detail, the um, you know the ceiling from the wall and the jeans on the wall. I'm just blown away. Thank you. Yeah, it's like when you talk about all those names, and I, you know, uh, I want to hear the Brad Pitt story. I think a lot of people have <laughs> have heard of it. I hope that I'm, I'm not, not just like talking about it. it. If you're not no, supposed to talk no. about it, fine. Uh, but <laughs> for those of you that don't know, I mean, this dude just makes jeans for. Uh, certain celebrities will say, and some of them um, may look like sleep dog. That's actually a true story. I, I, I got to tell this for my own sake. So literally, so kind of how I got my sort of like, you know, fashion sense, sorry, um, is, which is probably bad for, for Nordstrom's business. But when I was in college, I got a job in Nordstrom and that was like where I went from, you know, wearing just random shit mm -hmm. to like actually caring about labels and all yeah, these yeah, sorts yeah. of things. And I kid you not, man, one lady came in there one time and this lady was 300 years old and she told me I look like Brad Pitt and I just lost I lost it was so funny because I was like lady like, we need to get you we need to get you to the eye doctor like immediately because if anybody is like not on here and can't I look literally like take Brad Pitt and think of somebody else because I look more like Seth I Rogen I think you should just lean into that I, I did oh should, believe yeah. me man I was like lady what can I do for you you know like customer service just through the roof right there it was just hilarious <laughs> and uh, anyway it's just a dumb story but, um, but the thing of it is is like the thing that I'm curious about is, uh, I guess getting a working relationship with some of those folks, like, you know, how, like just, you know, generically, like some of the celebrities, I think that I think, I think just people are interested in that. Like, yeah. um, you know, how does that work? I mean, does it work just like everybody else or is it sort of like, uh, you know, the, are you like the, uh, what do they call it? Jacob, the jeweler of their jeans. Oh, remember that guy? I don't know. From Tell like, me. From like, uh, like the rap days. Either. Jacob the jeweler dude, like the, the, uh, <laughs> like the, um, uh, what was it? Like Lil Wayne and Birdman and stuff. He used to talk about Jake. He was the guy that everybody would go to New York to like a custom, oh, uh, yeah, custom yeah, yeah. chains made, you know? I Jacob would love to jeweler? be that dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, this guy's Jacob the jeans. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, gosh. All right. I guess I'm uh, more hip than, um, 
Then you guys, God, I can't believe you know Jacob. Anyway, it was they would I'm always look him up. like Ja Rule and like Big Pun, I think, and all these guys would always tell me they go see Jacob and they get these chains. They were like absurd. Ta- tag him on the live feed and see if he joins. <laughs> yeah. in. Jacob, Jacob, where you at? Uh, ben Baller makes chains. That's Sheed, of course. Oh, oh, Sheed corrected me and said it's a watchmaker. So Sheed is our friend whose name is Matt and self-proclaimed uh, nickname is Sheed. This guy is awesome, and he always one of our favorite things he does on the show is he does. Uh, like makes picks for games mm-hmm. always wrong always wrong always wrong it's well, like that's, that's a good guy to know I, exactly yeah. right the one time he was right uh boy was he right i mean he hammered one it I was mean, the first time too it kind of got a little <laughs> spot on our show was but, he was he just setting you guys up was he just like being a shark and i mean dude she the prez is is one of the like Quietly smartest guys I've it's, ever met. It's also 420, so this is oh, like yeah. his Christmas. Oh boy, he, Christmas I mean, four years. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't wow. think of that. He is wow. a uh, he is a happy guy today, and <laughs> I would say he's uh, a happy guy when he makes those picks as well. That's right. It's old national but, uh, drug test today tomorrow, though. She. <laughs> uh, he's a great dude, a good friend of the show. Like pretty much the, the the people that actually listen are are good friends of the show. That's awesome. Um, but no, so that so that part is 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 super cool. Let's talk about all right. Earlier, uh, there was some rain in the forecast. Uh, oh, um, old sleep dog. He showed up at the. At the, uh, well, I guess what you would call it, like, I'm trying to become a clever thing for the basketball court we played we on. Went with to the, the playground. M. Yeah. And I hadn't played on a playground since high school days. Yeah. It kind of felt <laughs> like a kid's playground. Yeah. Like, that's the court, like, where that court is is where I learned how to play basketball. But then they, like, knocked down the two courts and just built that one tiny kid court. And it's kind of sad. We were kind of, so everyone, we played 21. And uh, I'm not sure. If you don't know what 21 is, you didn't, you've never played on the playground, but yeah, unsubscribe. We, we had a great, <laughs> we had, we had a great match. Um, there was some kid down there who was going really hard and, uh, we were down there kind of scratching it up playing 21, but it was fun. Uh, I, I may have to ice my knees later, but, uh, Victor, <laughs> Victor went pretty hard. I wasn't expecting. Dude, what an ask. This guy, so we call up Victor and we're like, hey, man, will you come on the pot? He's like, I'll come on the pot if I can pay one-on-one with Tyler. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I got, yeah, sure. Let me check with Tyler, but I'm going to lean on him. And um, and we did. And it was fun. And we, uh, you know, we're out there, double rims. I mean, even the big hawks clanging them. I mean, we got we can build three sheds in the front of Home Depot parking lot right now for sale if you want them. Truth, uh, truth. I'm, I'm just... Brandon does one thing and that is shoot from distance. And I kind of was telling these guys, like I treated a lot like my driver. I just like sort of aim in that general direction and fire away. And if it goes in great, if it doesn't, I mean, bars low anyway. You uh, caught the wind a couple of times. Dude, a couple yeah, bangs. The there was a sweet bank. Playing the draw. I mean, yeah, I haven't gone out there. Like, like, uh, like Tyler said, I mean, I like ibuprofen on deck, lower back already, uh, extremities not feeling great. Uh, but yeah, that was, um, that was fun. And the it best was part was this girl was, she was probably played for, um, like peace or maybe a high school, one of the local colleges, and she's just out there running drills, getting after yeah, it. Yeah, she's running full court drills. It was and pretty. You like, got in her oh. way like ten times. I know, yeah, I was like playing. That's, she was the only one. I was Sleep playing. wasn't too nimble. <laughs> she, was, she was the only one I could play defense on, and I was. Uh, that was mainly because I was falling into the fence while she was trying to do her drills. But uh, yeah, anyway, so so talk about um, you know like sort of sports, I guess. Where, where are you? Where do you fall in the sports spectrum? Are you are you big sports guy? Not a big sports guy. And, it, and no answer is a bad answer. Do you have any sports teams? Huh. I know one of them. I don't know. And Big Hawk's not going to like it. I'm not going to say that. Okay. We're not going there because they <laughs> didn't can't. let us play at Reynolds. <laughs> so true. we're not going to. He did ask for a home court advantage. He, <laughs> he, he reached out to uh, try to get us on at Reynolds, the Coliseum, uh, the old uh, NC State oh, no. stadium. Yeah, I reached out. I was like. I was like, NC he State, said he please home court help me advantage. out. Yeah. I was like, give me the home court advantage. They were like, no, COVID. And I was like, all right. Uh, um, next time. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing soccer and that was my sport and that was my thing. And I was like a hundred percent into it. And I played on at pretty high levels and I learned a lot about, I don't know where, like teamwork, working with people, doing what you can do. Like my, even my wife and I were talking yesterday. It was like, 
like she was having a bad day. And I was like, I remember my coach from like eighth grade saying like, if you can't shoot the ball, do what you can do. Yeah. Focus on defense. Like today you can't do all the things you normally do. Like help your team. What can you do to help your team? And I'm like, hungry. <laughs> and like, what a beautiful way to like exist yeah. in the world though. Right. It's like some totally. days you hit shots, some days you don't, exactly. but like if you're not hitting shots, you play defense. And that like, is I, such a great point. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling the Kobe story about that. The Tyler uh, was talking about how he was uh, some kids in young middle school, maybe were uh, asking what Kobe does. And he was explaining to him, he said, what difference does it make? You know, you so much from here to there to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and he explained the whole story about it, it would be the equivalent of someone guy, you know, I want to make jeans. Mm-hmm. And then you just being like, well, um, well, well, here's the thing is, when I go and talk to young, uh, young kids, I'm always like, you know, kind of your point is like, there's so much more to basketball than scoring. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not scoring, make an impact on the game, rebound, mm-hmm. play defense, bring energy. Spirit is a huge deal. It's a and, huge deal. You know, it's a huge deal. Not only in basketball, but in life, like you yeah. said, like just b- have a good spirit. Like yeah. you don't have to be the best person in the world, but when you come to work, when you get on the court, just bring a positive vibe, do something to help the team, and you'll make an impact. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be 20 points. But to your point with Kobe, Kobe's going to go 0 for 20, but Kobe's going to go 0 for 50, and it's it doesn't matter. He's going to continue to shoot because that's what he does. And also that's a mindset, and that's a whole yeah. different level. But my point is to these young kids is Kobe was one time in your position, mm-hmm. okay, and he started with the fundamentals mm-hmm. and built a hell of a foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where Kobe at is today is not something that you can achieve because you have to perfect those fundamentals to get where he's at. You have to develop a left hand. You have to develop a right hand. Mm-hmm. You have to develop a counter to that. And all those moves that Kobe does is like, you got to work on your simple stuff first. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you were talking about. Uh, sleep, maybe a little bit about that. Yeah. And old sleep, buddy, he, he had the mentality, but you know, when he got in the game, it might argue that there wasn't a lot of output. Um, but it, I just wish you guys could have seen me play. I uh, did record it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did so you, maybe I mean, you, you could seriously see it. Oh boy. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I tried to, so I don't know. When I, 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 I jump like for a jump shot, I mean, if I could clear two credit cards laying on the ground, um, that'd be something. But uh, I like to uh, go into my own athletic uh, things on the pod, Victor, because they're just naturally funny because I suck at at sports. You were pretty good but, today. Hey, listen, hey, man. Sleep, you came out of the gates hitting the you, – you got a little winded in the second game, but – well. You know, I've been going to the gym lately. I, I, I really feel like I'm getting too big to, for my own good. You know, I really just, uh, I mean, the muscles are just piling on after two days in the gym. Uh, definitely need, uh, with like flex all. Wow. That definitely wasn't me. Cause that was a right-handed layup. Uh, that's me. <laughs> that's me breathing heavy. Yeah. We'll definitely have to share that with the masses. We're going to come up with a, with a trailer. Uh, that's for this a great thing. video. There was something, um, <laughs> Oh, dude, we gotta ask Victor. So yes. I don't know how much you how much you follow here, but you know, take your time, think through this, okay, answer I'm carefully. Ready, I'm ready. The Bachelor, man. Do you watch it? I don't. Never. Okay. Bachelorette. I didn't have to think about it. Okay. I don't. Take your um, time, dude. Sure about that. <laughs> here's how we started on this. Yes. Yeah. You gave us the you, you, you got gave more us respect the look, right now for totally. that. Totally. You gave us the look and the response that absolutely any human being should in, in this situation. <laughs> so here's what happened. We started out this podcast and we didn't know what we we're gonna talk about. Which actually I was listening to Joe Rogan, not a big fan of that podcast, to be honest. I don't know why everybody sees that thing. Whatever. He's great, does what he does, makes hundred million dollars. Good for Joe Rogan. Coming for you, Joe. Um if we can get that intern. So what <laughs> we started out doing it was like we had no idea what we were talking about. And we sit there one night and Tyler's girlfriend, I was dating a girl at the time, and a few other friends around, and we started watching The Bachelor and we got really hung up on things to talk about. So we started talking about The Bachelor. And that was the thing that people were like, bro, this is hilarious because you guys are idiots. And we're like, yeah, I mean, so we started watching and literally probably shouldn't admit this, but we already have. So, but we would literally, while, uh, I mean, Tyler's girlfriend was gone and all this sort of stuff. There were four dudes, me, Tyler, 
Sheed and one of our other buddies, four dudes would get together and like crowd up and just watch it and know what's going on. Ty was in Miami recently and saw Dale, which he you has don't no know who Dale, Dale is. is. But <laughs> Dale was on The Bachelor or something like that. I, I didn't you really get an invite him on the show. That, that's what I told Tyler. Yeah, and guys, old fact checker's not going to be happy with that. Uh, but, yeah, um, fact checker was not happy. Anyway, man, I'm so glad you. I'm so <laughs> fact glad checker is my girlfriend, yeah, by the way. She's, she, did, she will not let me tell a lie, yeah. so I call her the fact checker. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's not one of the live guests right now which is which is great for for old big hawk but no that's that's a perfect response to such a stupid question no 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 i mean i i wish i knew more about it it's like trash tv man and honestly i'm i'm the i hate that type of thing but there's something about it it is it like it'll reel you in because you're just like I can't look away. And honestly, like you do start to sort of like feel for some of these people, but you wonder, I always wonder, I'm like, dude, these people are like usually pretty good looking, pretty young. Like why on the bachelor, dude? Like the bachelor should be a show for people like, like old sleep dog. and can't really like, like don't know where they're going in life. And they're sitting there just like, uh, how am I still here in 37? Right. Um, anyway, it's, it's comical. Um, we is there anybody out in the uh, in the Q and A here, Big Hawk? I'm not seeing any. Yep. Uh, somebody asked us earlier if we were in Brooks Brothers. No, um, offended by that. Unfollow. Uh, <laughs> what else we got going? I got on a here? question for you. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the stretchy jeans. Yeah. So I buy my jeans on Old Navy, which uh, <laughs> won't happen again. And half the reason I do that is because I'm wrong with that. I don't no, know. no. The, well, the thing is, well. It's it's not the best quality. And oh. so I throw them out, like you said, you know, I wear them a year, then kind of get rid of them because, it, you know, it's it's old Navy and that's what you expect. And, yeah. you know, that's what you, pay for. You, you get, get what seven you pay or eight for, yeah. washes out of it and yeah. then you're happy with it. Yeah. Um, but I've seen the stretch. I love the stretchy jeans. And I saw that you have some over there. Mm-hmm. How is that? More difficult than the to make than the just the old school straight denim hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Much, 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 much more difficult to make. Um, but it's a thing that I think we've perfected pretty well. Uh, like from the very, very, very beginning, like I wanted to make raw denim because I thought like I'm a purist and I want to, but then like our first account was Barney's New York, which at the time was like the best store in the world. Um, and they were like, we need some jeans with some stretch. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we started digging in and figured it out and we designed this fabric. It's as a very special weft yarn. The weft yarn goes, uh, kind of sideways. Um, it's a T 400 and it's black and it, uh, allows for colors to have a little bit more depth, but like I go hiking in them. People do yoga in them and, but they don't look like that. They look yeah. like jeans. They are so comfortable. Yeah. They are stretch jeans. Dude, they, yeah. the purple ones that you got, they were Martins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I literally, like, that's the first time I ever saw Raleigh Denim mm-hmm. was they had them in Nordstrom when mm-hmm, I worked mm-hmm. there. So this yep. was 2015 years ago-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, I literally can sleep in them. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. from time to time. It may or may not have been sober, but they're incredible. But man. you just know that dude. when you're going out for the night Buddy, and hop you up start, the next day, you're like, give brunch. me the next yeah. one because yeah. I can sleep in these. Totally. I'm good. Totally, man. And they really are incredible pants. And I kid you not, like I've had those things forever. There is not anything wrong with them. Yeah, there's a real place for that in the world, like for everybody. And I I think like, I think men, especially in America, are scared of fashion in a way. And they're scared of stretch things. And it's like, dude, put a pair on and tell me you're not happy. And like I wear raw denim. That's my thing. And I have five pairs of those in my closet yeah. right now and just depending on what i'm doing it's like if i'm going for a bike ride like i love to ride my bike around town yep. i love to i wear stretch jeans but some days like i just want to break in a raw pair of denim and i, I think there's a place you know in the in the arsenal uh especially for colors and for stretch yep. and for like i mean you're talking about purple it's like yes dude more, it's like you that, think like purple you know? jeans but they're like a so i yeah. don't know man the way that the way that it works is just like they're not barney yeah, 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 <laughs> or yeah, yeah. grimace right you guys are just even even those sorts of things like the the kind of cool thing about this place is it's it's really inviting to be kind of like more fashionable or mm-hmm. like test your own limits mm-hmm. um 
you know, you see colors or you see different things like a green pair of jeans or something like that, that you're like, okay. Like, and then, you know, you can, you just, it, 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 it makes you feel like, Hey, I could pull that off. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have jeans for everybody. I mean, yeah. you have jeans for every type of personality, every type of somebody's fashion. And when I walk in here, you know, you see like the jean spectrum is mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Like just from walking, like, you know, our age to the high schoolers, like the ripped jeans, you know, kind of the fashionable do certain mm-hmm. rips. And uh, yeah, you get it all here. And also like you feel much more comfortable in a small environment because as a sometimes as a man, you don't want to come in there and be too fashionable because it's not manly. Mm-hmm. But you feel much more comfortable here. You're not in like a huge mall setting. And so I, I see this place. Yeah. Yeah. I think people here are super yeah. knowledgeable too. It's just like every time you talk to somebody, they know the product, they know the fit, they know this, they know that. It's like it's super cool. What you need, if you want Big Hawk's business, you need a lot of turtlenecks. This guy <laughs> loves turtlenecks. Don't, Tell me about don't, that. Do loves not believe him. I got a turtleneck as a fact joke and just was on here. If the fact checker was on here, she would back that up. This guy has a turtleneck and I think uh hey, somebody said, Hey, Mr. Skyflyer needs some new jeans. Do you carry 40 by 34? I'm going to go ahead and answer that for you. Probably. Mm. Uh, that's Sheed. We'll get Sheed some, some Raleigh denims. Um, nice. Anything. We make some size 40s. Yes. There do, you go, do, do you tailor, do you custom tailor jeans to like certain customers or? In-house, we'll do the length. So mm-hmm. we cut them all pretty long. You try them on. We mark them. We'll hem them here. It's on a machine from the 1930s. It's called a Union Special 43200G. There's only like 40 or 50 of them on the earth. We have four of them. Wow. We're the only company that I know of. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, that actually uses them in production. Um, And it's just like this very nerdy like thing. Like you're you're talking about like you get into like the the nitty gritty of a craft or of a step or a move or Mm -hmm. something. It's like, I'm just like so obsessed with building from this history, but doing it in a thing in a way that's relevant today. And this machine is one of those things where it's like, Oh, like this is from 1930, like before my God, I don't even know. Um, and it does this thing where it twists the bottom of the hem and it, it gives it this little like roping effect as they break in. Um, which is just like total denim nerd, stuff that like maybe nobody cares about but it is a thing that like shows how deep we dive into all the details and how much we care and like that's just the hem i've got one question about the detail in particular the red mm-hmm. the red uh red thread. thread yeah like what what what's the motive behind that or the uh motive might not be the right word yeah, but, yeah. but um yeah kind of tell me a little bit about that because that's like your signature yeah so around the hem in the buttonhole uh around the waistband um in the beginning, I, I like the idea was that we wanted things to be like super clean and make the wearer feel 1% more badass. So like the idea of like, how do you help your team is like, it was kind of that too. It was like, when I wake up in the morning and I feel like shit, like I want to put on something that makes me feel a step better, quite literally. And it's all these little details on the inside. Like there's like a x-ray of the hip mm-hmm. joint of the bones mm-hmm. that matches up anatomically with your body. You can see the signature of the person that yeah. made it, the, the, all the really, really sweet, uh, stitching details are all highlighted in red on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like these like little Easter egg gifts. I feel like to the wearer. And when I think about capital F fashion, like to me, that's the reason for fashion. It's like, it's not just to wear clothing. It's to like change your perspective on life. Like you wake yeah. up in the morning, you're like, I'm going to wear that jean or I'm going to put that thing on because I feel a little bit more confident. I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit. I know exactly what you're talking about. And because there is nothing, if you wear something out that is uncomfortable or you kind of self-conscious about, it throws your whole mood, everything off. Everything. You can't be your, you can't be yourself. And so for me, when I go out, I'm always like, Okay, I'm aware of what I feel confident and most comfortable. Mm-hmm. If it is off a little bit, then I don't wear it mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I'm myself. So that is that is that is great to hear. Yeah, yeah and that shit works because mm-hmm. literally, man, it's you know, all those things that you were just mentioning, like, and I'm not saying this because you're <laughs> sitting here, but literally those are the things that I feel when I like I've got 
I bet I have 30 pairs of jeans. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I go for the, when I'm, when I like really want to like feel confident in what I'm Mm -hmm. doing, man, I go for those. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, you know, they, it has the thing I like most about the subtlety is the, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of, of course, a lot around here, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people cuff their jeans mm-hmm. and then you see the red thread mm-hmm. and you know, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, nice jeans, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's a cool sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, vibe to be a part of. I mean, you know, it's the same reason why you got a Nike swoosh on your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows you got Nikes on, right? But mm-hmm. it's just a little bit different sort of like, you know, tip of the hat almost. It's like very subtle, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know, you can kind of relate to somebody mm-hmm. like, yeah, they get that. And in a weird way, like, it's like, yeah, that person and I have something that we share in common, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know, other backgrounds or whatever are going on. Yep. And that that part, I think, is really sort of subliminally super yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think in the in the beginning, we wanted this like super clean slate. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, this gene is about you. It's not about our brand. And and it's like, no, you wear this thing. You like break it in. Let it be your canvas. Let it be your thing. Let it be a representation of your life. And you're, and yes, like the thing that you're starting with is meticulously made with care. But, yeah. But I, I like the ideas being from the inside. Like even before I started making jeans, I had, I used to make uh, some skirts for some uh, ladies, uh, friend, lady friends of mm-hmm. mine. And I would cut the lining on the inside um, at an angle based on if they were like right footed or left footed to help them inside, like mentally, like take literally take the first step hmm. for whatever they wanted to do. Wow. And I was like, nobody saw it. It wasn't part of the exterior, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. It was just like, how do you make someone feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more badass? Like, that's what fashion is for me. That's why I make clothing. That's why I'm into jeans. Um, it's a, it's a different thing. And yeah. I don't, I don't think like, I don't think we're all there like as yeah. a society. To, yeah. and that I don't, shit's a cool ass. Like, I mean, it's just a totally different way to you. When you realize you're that's minutia there that mm-hmm. like, is born from somewhere else, right? You just sort of like, like I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, I would never think of some shit like, and I'm sure I do think of things like that in other ways and whatever things I'm passionate about. So it's just like, I mean, I don't know, dude, this story is just fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, it's a great perspective. Thing. Um, and I like it a lot because it is very, very true. Yeah. Dude, um, is there anything either of you guys that we missed that you want to talk about or... And there's no pressure on that. Literally, we ask I, that every time. I have, one, I, I have time. one more question. And uh, one question I had to have. And if you have advice for anyone out there, a young entrepreneur or somebody that's coming up that has a vision, kind of like you did, what's the best advice that you would give to that person? So earlier you were talking about the risk that it takes to like go all in on a thing. And, you know, when we started this we were like probably 25 26 27 in that age range and we didn't really have anything quite literally like we had no money our our parents our families did not like have tons of money uh we lived in a pretty um, like we lived in a two-bedroom apartment that cost 400 dollars. it was not a nice place our cars were like we had, we literally had nothing and and at that time I was like, we were thinking about starting this business and people were like, oh, well, you have nothing to lose. And quite literally we had nothing to lose. And, and that helped me along the way. Uh, and what I realized in the last like year or two, so whatever that is, 12 years, 13 years later, 14 years later, um, is I actually had everything to lose. I had my whole life to lose. Like if I didn't go for it, then none of this exists. Like we don't talk. We never had a store in New York. We never da 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 ba 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 ba. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think that's a, a different perspective that I'm trying to share more openly now. That like, it's very easy to at any point in a, in anyone's life, and everyone's different. And I don't need or want to like tell anyone what they could or should do. Or I do want to encourage creativity. I do want to encourage, uh, entrepreneurship when it makes sense. I don't, I don't like the, like blowing smoke up people's asses to like, Oh, go start a thing. Cause it's 
fucking hard. Yeah. And it's scary and you're risking everything. And it's, it's really difficult. I mean, we, my wife and I did this together and, uh, it has not been easy. It has not been pretty. And we've learned, and I think we've lived like multiple lifetimes together. And I feel unbelievably grateful for what we've learned and gone through and, and where we are now. Um, so like that stuff is real. So I'm not trying to like, yeah. uh, present it in, in a, Oh, entrepreneurship kind of way. Like I, I mean, I, I go, I've actually spoken to the students at, at UNC and at Duke and, and I tell them like entrepreneurship is really hard. I would encourage you not to do it unless you feel an absolute compulsion to do it. And if you have an absolute compulsion to do it, here's road signs to look out for. Uh, and if you don't, like if you have that compulsion and you don't do it, you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. You've lost your future. You lost it. And and there's different balances in, in there. So like, I, I don't want to get like, I, don't, I, I very much like what we did, we did things the hardest way possible. It's not a way I would ever recommend. Like diving into the pool head first without any knowledge. It's idiotic. Yeah. Uh, and it, and we made it through. Um, and so even yesterday I was talking to the students at NCA, A&T uh, and the recommendation I gave to them was to work for three other companies, be it for free be it as an intern, be it, uh, at any money, but I, but to view it as, uh, education. So even if you go intern somewhere for free, it's probably illegal to do that. Uh, but I, I would view that as like going to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do they file things? How do they organize clocking in and clocking? Like there's just so much you can learn from osmosis about like how many things do you put in a bin? How many shelves do you use? What did, like, just, there's like, yeah. People think about fashion design and this and that. And it's like, no, no, it's a business too. And yeah. when I was cooking, it's like you buy some raw materials, you do something to it, you make it extraordinary, you sell it for something different. It's like, we're doing the same thing here. We mm-hmm. buy raw materials, we do something to it. Um, so my number one advice is work for two or three other companies yeah. for six months to years. And maybe you find a beautiful place there and you stay there. Yeah. But go see what's there and learn from osmosis. Yeah. And what I like about that advice is um, you didn't let your circumstances affect your vision. And when I say that is like you have these people, um, young kids now or, you know, whoever, um, if I just had this, then it would make this so much better. Mm -hmm. But you had nothing. And this is what you built. And you got to have failure. And one thing that I think a lot of people in the business world. I'm not a business guy. I'm not in the business world, but there's one thing you could talk to all the business people in the world, how they can increase their sales and what they can do better to make more sales. But if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't believe in your Mm -hmm. product, then you're never going to take those tactics and put them into use and make those sales. Amen. So I love that. I love that perspective. And I love that advice. That's you're so dead on like a hundred percent. And the mantra that we've come back to is follow your heart. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, if you don't believe in it, you can't do it. And, and I think like at any given point at any, in anyone's life, if you say, follow your heart, if your heart is to go for playing basketball, when people say you can't do it, you go for it, you do it. So our heart was to make blue jeans and we went like, we knew it. We knew that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And everyone we talked to said, you're crazy. You're insane. But our heart said, this was the right thing. And sometimes you fail mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's part of it too. And you got to be okay with that. Like yes. that's uh, it's part of the deal, but you're like, you're saying the circumstance, we all have different circumstances. We all have a different perspective. We all have um, like a very, I, I think it's like a, a very interesting and special perspective. Like the way you grew up, the way I grew up, the way you grew up, the way that anybody listening, the way anybody with, we were all dealt a hand of cards. Like we're all sitting here with 10 cards in our hand and I don't care who you are or where you're from or what you have or what you don't have. Some of those cards are great. And some of those cards suck. Yeah. I don't care if you're the Prince of England or like uh, my family in a coal mine in Ukraine, like there are pros and cons to all these things. And it's like, I feel like I was dealt a hand. I'm going to play this hand. There's some terrible cards in there. Yeah. There's some great cards in there. Let's go. I'm ready, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm not going to let this shitty card hold me back. Like, I love it. Let's go. Yeah. Like I want to grab life. I mean, my friend, he says that I 
if life was a bull, I'd grab it by the balls and shake the balls. And I, don't, I mean, that's like kind of like hilarious to think about, but it's also like good card in that hand is you stay away from the horns, you know? Exactly. You know what I mean? But like, you know, life is short, life is long. And, and my, one of my best friends, he always says like, you can't make more time. And it's like, if I don't go for it, like, you know, five years goes by and then, then what? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's your movie and you make it whatever you make, uh, your life, what you want of mm-hmm. it. And I respect that. Dude, man, this has been like, I could talk for hours. This is awesome, man. I, uh, I dude, this has been really fun to talk about. Appreciate you, you know, coming on, sharing those thoughts with us, like being so open and transparent about it, man. It's, it's really cool to see, you know, obviously the success of Rally Denim, but I think even cooler to see who you are mm-hmm. and what, what's behind it, you know? And, and, and I, I really think that speaks, uh, you can see that same mentality in all the people, you know, I could go on for another two hours about leadership, right? It's a, a big challenge. Like I try to, you know, uh, get better at and, you know, I don't think there's any better leader than somebody that was willing to do the things that they ask other people to do. And it's clear that, that, that that's where you you come from. And, um, you know, again, dude, thank you so much for just you. being here with yeah. us. And, uh, you know, as, as Sleep Hog Nation knows, it'll be an active, just modern marvel of engineering uh, to get, you know, this thing edited and out the door. But we're going to do a good job with it. And, uh and hopefully, uh, you know, chop some stuff up where we can share with some people. Because there's some there's some nuggets from this conversation. I'm like, you know, this should be one of those, like, you know, uh, Instagram posts where they play, like, the piano music. And it's like, <laughs> you just got to do what you believe in, man. And it'd be like, Cheese it up. Cheese there, it just up. Just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, anyway, man, thanks again, dude. Oh, thank uh, you. Welcome, obviously, anytime. And, you know, keep up the good work. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks for playing basketball. Thanks for doing what you guys are doing. Thank it's you. Really Thanks, fun. Victor. Thank All you. right, everybody. You know what to do. Stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah.